Sometimes I pick those long hymns before the sermon so I can get a little break off my feet for a while. 20 years from now, I'll be picking those hymns that got 17 stanzas for the sermon. So I appreciate your patience. Well, our year began with many promises we made to ourselves about what it is we're going to We're going to do better this new year, right? Or what it is we're going to stop doing. Or what it is we're going to get right this year. And already by now, I'd imagine we're probably starting to see how those promises we made are turning out. I know every year, right after New Year's Day, I see more people jogging out in front of the church or walking by the church. And by about the third week of January, it's down to around just a few each day you know, which is normal for the rest of the year. But as we go through the process of our New Year's resolutions, in order for us to to look forward to what we want to be different, we have to stop and consider where we've been. How have things been in the past? And what needs to be different? In Nehemiah's account of the past, Israel is returning rebuilding and reorganizing after a 70-year captivity hundreds of miles away in the east. They have to remember how things were and that they cannot be the same. In order for things to be different, they start with what will make that change, the word of the Lord from the sacred scrolls. This is way more than a New Year's resolution. The Jews have gone through their exile. They've experienced the trauma of their decisions and consequences of the past. And many of them, if not most of them, were born into this. You know, because their captivity in Babylon lasted 70 years, there were probably only a handful of people who came back to rebuild that were part of the original group that got taken away. And they would have been young children then. But they've been taught by their parents and the elders what happened and why, and now they're ready as they gather for their feast to hear the laws of Moses and the Psalms of David and some of the prophets. Perhaps all five scrolls of Moses were read that day. In the beginning, the exodus from Egypt, the journey from the into the desert, to the promised land, the commandments and the tabernacle, all that would have taken, well, at least six hours, half a day. And they began, they begin their resettlement and rebuilding with the power of the Word of God. Things did get better for Israel before they got bad again. Remember, Jerusalem is a strategic location. It's a fortified city on a hill, smack in the middle of one of the busiest trade routes in the world. So every king wants to own it for himself. So there are more invasions and wars. The Greeks rule the area for a while, then the Romans. And Jerusalem would be toppled again 70 years after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Is that a coincidence, do you think? 70 years, 70 years of exile in Babylon, then 70 years after Jesus was born, Jerusalem is destroyed again? I don't know. Who knows? 
What really matters is the Word of God still gathers people today. I'm assuming you haven't gathered here because of the really good coffee we have downstairs after the service. It really is good. You don't gather because the church pews are so comfortable. You just had to get away from your lazy boy, lazy boy chair at home that just kills your back, right? No. You gather be here because the Word of God is read to you. You sing it. You speak it in the liturgy. You ask the priest, Ezra, well, my name's not Ezra, but you've called me to fill a similar role. Pastor, read to me the Word of God and tell us, what does he have to say today? We often think when we come to church, we gather as individuals in worship. And our sinful nature even plays out in this when people who for years gathered here every Sunday to participate in the spiritual and worship life of the church just disappear, never to be seen or heard from again. And you know, sometimes these are brothers and sisters who just give up, get tired of the same old thing, and come to the conclusion that it's just between me and God. I don't need the church. But we see in Nehemiah that people gather as one person. You know, many faithful Christians throughout time remember when they couldn't hear God's word while they were prisoners of war or in regular prison, while under persecution or oppression or under some kind of tyranny. They understand, maybe more than the rest of us, that the Word of God is a gift from Him. Hold on to it while you have it. The law of God shows us who we are in light of God's standards, and we're not where we should be. In fact, it's impossible to meet God's standards because of sin. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the solution, the antidote, if you will, to the sin we've inherited from birth. All that and much more is God's Word. And just the same as those broken, tired, and thirsty people in Jerusalem all those years ago, we gather as one person today, still today, but under the cross of Christ and through His sacrifice for us, we are one, baptized into His name. We gather and raise our voice as one in our confession. We stand together at some parts during worship to proclaim to the whole world that we are a people who will rise from the grave on the last day and live forever. Forever standing? I don't know. I hope there are chairs on the new earth. Otherwise, life could get very tiring again. But see, eternal life is not supposed to be tiring anymore. So... Maybe there will be no more sitting. I don't know. We'll find out. At any rate, Ezra and Nehemiah have a situation on their hands. As the people hear the word of God, they're moved to tears because, well, see, when God's law is spoken, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It gets to the heart. God made us to be his people, and he is our God. He has his ways for us, but we often want it our way. We do what we want. And the consequence for that 
is death and eternity apart from him. That cuts to the heart. And if that's all God's word was, if that's all it contained, then the people, and we too, would walk away in tears. We probably wouldn't even want to hear it anymore. But Ezra and Nehemiah say, wait, don't walk away in despair. Instead, go and celebrate. Because God has made a way to restore the sinful and brokenhearted. For them in Jerusalem, the way was the promise of a Messiah who would be for all people. So their trust in that promise saved them. For us today, that Messiah has already come. And while we have much to be sorry to God for on a daily basis, the reality is our sin is washed away daily in our baptism. And that's good news. And we gather together as one, as our hearts are turned to God through His Word. The Savior to which Ezra and Nehemiah and their people look forward to has come. And He died for all sin and has risen. We are receiving the benefits of this Word right now. And even if you're getting tired of hearing it or have become accustomed to it, The Holy Spirit still works faith in your heart and mind to be His child and to do the works that He'll have you do for the benefit of others, which glorifies Him. This text from Nehemiah is just the start of another year together. It's every Sunday. That's what this reading is. It's every Sunday. So may it be so for you, and may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.